This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. You know, it's hard not to be influenced by what you've been uh, enjoying recently, yeah. whether it be your likes were refreshed by a movie like The Summer of Soul, oh, you know? Christ, I still haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. But that's it. It's like when, when anybody ever asks you, what's your favorite song of all time? And it's a ridiculous question because it changes like every three to two or three hours, doesn't it? But it's a snapshot, that's all it is. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure you'll bitterly regret as soon as it goes out and you'll be like, why did I say that? But it doesn't matter. <laughs> The fields are empty. The tents packed away. And those greatest of summer days. Well, they feel as distant as being able to buy two pints and a packet of crisps for a tenner. Here we go. So what better way to fill this empty void left by another festival season biting the dust than by putting this woeful reality in the recycle bin? and dreaming up more brilliant festival lineups. I'm going to have Amy Winehouse, who's on my lineup here. She's going to kick off the show. Beautiful. Who have I, would I have never had a chance to see in my lifetime? T-Rex. And he pulls his acoustic guitar out and he just hands you the mic. And everyone stops. Oh, well, everyone leaves, actually. <laughs> Turns on like the cow, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sean Keaveney, and we're back with an awesome selection of creative souls who know a thing or two about what it takes to be on that stage. Welcome to season two of The Liner. You know how there are some voices that are truly timeless, okay? Aretha, Stevie, Ella, Beyonce. Why have you crossed out Robson and Jerome now? My guest today lands smack bang in amongst the greats. He's got perfect pitch as well, which I know from personal experience can be a curse as much as a blessing. He's as comfortable with jazz as he is with pop or soul or EDM. Likewise, he's at home winning Grammys as he is doing a YouTube home cookery series. And this festive season, his voice graces Disney's Christmas advert. Welcome one and all to me old mate, Gregory Porter. How are you? Hey now, hey now, how are you? I am, well, actually, in the interest of full disclosure, Gregory, uh, at the very last minute, uh, I was called away on extremely important business, and I am in a hotel room in the Lake District, and you're in London, you're down the pipe in London. So for once, I feel like the winner. Usually when I hook up with rock stars, with with, with singing stars, (laughs) they're somewhere really um, exotic, like Nevada or or Melbourne, and I'm sort of stuck in Dollis Hill or or Soho. But today, I'm in the Lake District. There is a babbling brook outside my window, Gregory. So it's not just me babbling at this end, it's also the brook. So I'm just setting the scene in case you hear anything out of the window. Awesome, Sean, awesome. (laughs) No, one of the most obvious first things that people notice about you before you even open your mouth is that you're always perfectly presented, right? And I, I mm. only mentioned this at the beginning. I, I'm sitting here in my sloppies because I'm in a hotel room, and I'm sure you're <laughs> as sharp as, as always and on point. But when you're at a festival, if you ever do go yeah. to something like a festival, have you ever yeah. have you been a festival goer? If you do, yeah. if you do, what does dress down Gregory look like? Hmm. You know, it depends on if it's a festival that where I 
could potentially be presenting something or or singing. If so, then I'll kind of keep my uh, like I had um, a button down shirt, a vest, and a jacket, pinstripe shorts, and wellies, gray wellies <laughs> at, at Glastonbury when I was presenting. But like I think I had an extra day at the Wilderness Festival. And I was kind of loose, kind of, um, I was in uh, military fatigues, you know, yeah. But I like the way y'all do it. It's, it's like all terrain here. Uh, the festival's here. It's like you got to you gotta deal with a little mud, a little dust, a little wind, a little cold, you know. You do. But this is the thing. It's, it's just that, I think you, even when you're dressing down, you still do it with a with a little undertow of quality and, and an eye on sartorial yeah. elegance. I can imagine you in, in sort of army fatigues as opposed to ill-fitting tracky bottoms and, and a sort of, and, and, and a free premier drummer t-shirt, which is probably the way I'd sort of rock it, you know. Yeah, but, 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 you know, all things are acceptable. You know, I've never been to like a, a just as like a straight up rock festival, but I have been to, it was primarily like heavy techno. Okay, like we said, this sort so of like I, EDM type stuff we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, kind of a thing, but it was, but that bass was boom, boom. But the interesting thing that I found was that on top of all of that was all this jazz and all this African drumming. You know, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I hadn't experienced it before. And so I was like, whoa, some interesting things going on there. Yeah, to fit in, I had on a black shirt, so I just kind of ripped the arms of my my black shirt to fit a little bit more in, you know. (laughs) Just to rough yourself up a bit. (laughs) To rough myself up a bit, I ripped the the arms of my shirt, and people were like, oh, that's cool, man. (laughs) He's gone Dr. David Banner. He's gone the full Hulk. Um, So there you go. We've got got dressed down... uh, Ripped black shirt, Gregory, ready to rock at this. this. I, I was still buttoned up to the Naturally, top. Naturally, of course. Yeah, that's 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 the ultimate look, isn't it? We don't want to let that one go. That top button. Yeah, I've, yeah. I haven't been able to, to to fasten the top button of any of my shirts since about two thousand and six. I don't think I've got such a fat neck now. You know what I mean? It's just a tragedy. But but our task today is to discover Gregory the five acts that you want to play at your dream fantasy festival. I'm your guide. I am your your dream weaver. I am the festival genie. Essentially, it's my job to make anything come true. Uh, the act can be living or dead. It can be anywhere in the world. And so that, that's the first question that I need to ask you regarding the festival. Where should we put it? Where in the world should it be? Ooh, uh, in between the Swiss-German border, way up in the mountains. Oh, lovely. Oh. Let's find a valley. Mm. With uh, lots of ledges where people can just hang out on, and in the valley is where the stage is. Oh, but in particular, probably in spring when it's just green all the way up the mountain. Let's do that. We have uh, we haven't had a mountainous uh, sort of an alpine festival yet, so that's really Mm. it's original and beautiful. Have you actually Mm -hmm. played anywhere like that? I've seen I've seen a few festivals nestled in valleys in mountainous areas and stuff, and I always thought it looks like a great venue. Have you ever done one? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you know, just the, in beautiful lakes, Montreux, mm. Montreux Jazz yeah. Festival is is whew, breathtaking, isn't it? You know, you walk out of the venues like, man, this is gorgeous. You know, you wake up way early in the morning before anybody of the festival goers are dwelling around, and it's just like, it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. The glassy lake, the alpine air, it's just, mm-hmm. so that's where we're going to do it. We're going to nestle it yeah. uh, somewhere on the Swiss border there. It's going to be... You know, not too high altitude, so our lungs don't pop when we're trying to sing right. along. Uh, but you know, sort of three or four thousand foot elevation, nothing crazy. A few goats, 
knocking about in the background, a bit like here, actually. Yeah. You might hear the odd yeah. sheep if you do, I apologise. Yeah, 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 cows. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just that little, the, the slight little ringing of the... Yeah. So it's not the cow bells aren't only on stage, there are actual cows. Um, yeah. That's great. Now, this is, it's always an awful thing to spring on someone, but we, we should call it something as well, um, this festival. Uh, it needs, it needs... The mix. The mix. What I, I love already about about you, Gregory, is that you don't seem to second guess yourself. You just go with your gut instinct immediately. You don't, you, that, yeah. that came before a second. The mix. Yes. <laughs> the mix festival in the mountains and mm. valleys of Switzerland. Mm. That's beautiful. Why the mix? Well, because what I feel festivals are, this is, and this is coming quite quickly off the top of my head. <laughs> what I feel that what festivals are, they're this, this interesting microcosm of, of a mix of people who love the same music but are not exactly the same. Mm. So there, there's a mix of culture, countries, socioeconomic, the mix of everything yeah. you can think of. That's what you get yeah. at, a, at, a, at a festival, especially at a quite international festival. Um, so yeah, plus what I enjoy the most uh, about it, the most interesting festivals to me have something, not something for everybody, but just an appreciation of all different styles yeah. of music. Uh, when I say all different styles, I, you know, I don't mean to say just all the different styles of the ones that I like, but, but you know, th where, where the programmers have some bravery, yeah. when, uh, where they'll have some young acts with established masters. Particularly what I mean is the mix of, of genre. And for me, the cousins of, of, of a music. And so... You know, jazz, blues, soul, uh, gospel, this this kind of, for me, just this powerful, emotive music uh, that, that has many similarities, but for one reason or another uh, have been categorized yeah. uh, artificially. And we're going we're gonna to mix them all up on stage at the mix uh, on the mountain. Funnily enough, I wrote down gumbo, question mark, uh, as a name, because I think mm. I saw you on YouTube making a gumbo, and I thought I had a fit. But that, you see, we're edging in the same direction there, mixing up all different yeah. kinds of elements to create a yeah. delicious meal, a musical meal. Yeah. Yeah. So what this is very you, 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 you write, you, you write in my pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in your you know? pocket, mate. You sopping out my dish, player. <laughs> I love it. I'm writing that down. You sopping up my dish, player. Right, that's a T-shirt. <laughs> Testing. Is everybody ready yet? We good? Let the day begin. And so from here we move. Uh, to the first band, right? So, but let me paint the picture first of all. I got us, uh, I hope you don't mind, but I took us uh, by a, a, a sort of tiny traditional biplane up to the venue last night where we uh, stayed in a beautiful alpine resort. Uh, and we're waking up, blinking into the, the, the fresh blue light uh, of the morning of the of your festival. Uh, it is the Dawn Chorus. Now, recently, I know you've welcomed a new baby to the household, your second son. So I'm imagining early mornings are a thing for you once again. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So you're a yeah, morning person, yes. whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not. My duty started about four o'clock after he's had uh, his, you know, kind of first morning feeding. And from about four to 10, the baby is mine. And he, you know. <laughs> 
when I was home. He he he, he likes to sleep on my chest. So, oh, yeah, so you're doing the morning sweet. shift at the moment when you're there. Yeah, you must mm-hmm. be missing him. We too. were doing this like, oh, let's do this together. Let's, uh, you know. While you're feeding, I'll rub your back. That was just ridiculous. So like, why are we both up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You be up, and then I'll be up. And when I'm up, you sleep. You know, you that's know, it. Let's do it the right. Yeah, you've got you. You've got to completely give each other as much space as possible in those early early weeks, <laughs> right. haven't you? <laughs> right, right, those early weeks. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing as well, that new life, isn't it? But I, I was going to mention your your song "Dad Gone" thing as well uh, from All mm-hmm. Rise, which is a, speaking of dads and stuff, you know, and, and you've talked yeah. about this a lot and the, the lyric, you know, didn't teach me a dad gone thing, but how to sing. Um, yeah. you've sort of touched on how you didn't know him particularly yeah. well. Have you noticed anything that you've passed on to your kids? Yeah. Have you, uh, traits? I'm, I'm kind of, I, it's, you know, being thoroughly conscious of how I felt and how I feel still after all this time, you know, you think I'd get over it, but I'm constantly aware of what I didn't get, and I'm trying to give it to my boys. Yeah. I'm not as successful as I want to be because, you know, I have this career that takes me away from home. But, you know, my son has been, my eight-year-old has been all over the world, and uh, <laughs> the newborn already has some stamps on his <laughs> On his passport, and he's not four months yet. <laughs> so, I'm doing something the right way. Um, I'm I'm making sure that I'm in I'm in their face uh, as much as possible. If even if it's by way of Skype, just constantly yeah. tell you I love you, checking up on you. You know who's your new friend? Who you getting a fight with? All yeah. of these things. What did you do? Oh, you spelling? Oh, a hundred on your uh, on your on your. You know, the, just general concern, which was the and backup. You know, let me tell you just a side note. I'm just, I'm not doing this to plug the Disney song. This is just how but that, it really just, got That's me. a beautiful little vid, but and it's about step parenting, isn't it? Really? Yeah, but but the thing that got me about the song was when they sent me the lyric, the, that first lyric. When you open the door, I'll be standing there. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> it's really emotional yeah. for me. It's really emotional for me. It's, that's just backup. That's backup. That's backup. Somebody has got your yeah. back. And that's what I, I that's what I know I was void of as a child. And that's what I try to be for my for my my eight year old is conscious of it. But the uh, three month old is is conscious of it yeah. too in a way. She's like, you know, when mommy ain't got no milk or 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 when she sleep, who where's my backup? Yeah. It's like, okay, here it is. Let me shake up the formula. <laughs> you know, I'm here. I'm here. I'm second best, but I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah. that's so good to touch on that quickly as well, because you know, you you come you come up in in Bakersfield, and you're not in the most sort of wealthy of circumstances. Is that often a, a driver for for musicians in particular and artists to to sort of strive and to do the very best they can? It was interesting you saying earlier on that you've not done as well as you want to have done. And a lot of people would take mm. a breath at that because it seems you've done so unbelievably well and you've, you've, you've got Grammys to your name and multi-million selling albums. you think that that's the fire underneath all of that or is it something else? Is mm-hmm. it something to do with your, your dad maybe? Um, well, I think it's uh, fulfilling. You know, these dreams that have come true for me are fulfilling uh, my mother's words, my brother's prophecy and her dreams as well. Honoring her in doing the best that you can at a particular moment. No, it's not a it's not a fear of of being poor. It's it's also 
I tell you, it's also a slap in the face of anybody who says that you were ever, whoever said you were less than, whoever said that you couldn't, whoever said that you won't be anything. That happens on many levels. I love my hometown, but there was some difficulty and some racial strife as as a child. In some way, I'm probably still slapping in the face at that of that energy that came my way that said I was just a nigger, that I was just a whatever name they called me, unworthy of respect. So I'm probably at, at every royal performance enjoying it a bit more because this is what you said I was. This is, this, you know. Absolutely. It, I don't know how it's to, the last this, word, this, isn't it? Just, it's the last word. It's just a thing. It's, it's you know, and it, it it it, and it's not just my hometown. It's my you know, it's my country. It's the it's uh, and I you know, we're not gonna go dark here, but it's it can be this this burden of blackness of being considered less than. Uh and so every little success is just a tip to the hat yeah. to, to, to my mother and all of her dreams and what she believed we could be, yeah. Well, I mean, I know that, well, obviously Nat King Cole's a personal hero and you you know, you did Nat King Cole and me in 2016 and he's a personal hero, yeah. but that, some of his story is reflected in your story, isn't it? Sort of some horrible mm. racism that you both had to put up within your yeah. neighbourhoods. And it just reminds yeah. me, there's a, there's a line that he came out with. He seemed like such an erudite, such a, a funny, intelligent guy. I just love the line that he came out with about um, when his TV show was cancelled and advertisers wouldn't step up and pay. And he said, uh, yeah. Madison Avenue is afraid of the dark. <laughs> and I just thought, that took, took my breath away a bit reading that like 60 years later because it's just such a, in a, just a few words, that, that sums up where we, to some degree, we're sort of still at. We've made some progression as society, but we've still got so much to make, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. You know, this is interesting. He was so clever. If you, you know, people sometimes, they, they thought he was a person who wasn't really digging and diving deep into the civil rights movement. He absolutely was. He absolutely was, uh, both in his words, his songs, and in his pot with his pocketbook. So there were some moments in which he would speak and moments which he would sing that were directly speaking to those things, even just the presentation of himself. This is the thing I'm talking yeah. about. The grace and the beauty of Nat King Cole's singing and presentation in the face of what he was dealing with raised up in Alabama. Look at me now is constantly, is constantly on his mind as he stands in front of those cameras and he's dressed so beautifully, singing with undeniable grace, playing with undeniable genius. This is what you said I was. Look mm. at me now. It's, it, there's, not, there's not room enough to contain all of the talent that I have in this room. And he does it with, with a grace and a smile. And so what he do, he's like teaching. He's like, listen, you were wrong the whole time. So... This is the thing that's that's interesting, passive-aggressive protest that he was doing his entire career. You wouldn't notice it if you have never been in that yeah. position. It's a thing that I do. It's a thing that I do. 
And that King Cole did it his whole, his whole career in a deeper, uh, a more, how shall I say, volcanic environment. Yeah, the, the ultimate last word, the ultimate revenge is, is beauty in the face of that ugliness, isn't it? Uh, and that just that right. sheer talent, which nobody can deny. It's biblical, smiting your enemies with grace. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. You'd think he would be the first act at, 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 my, at my festival. Well, this is it. I mean, he, yeah. you see, even Gregory is, is like, who's the guest? He's like, come on, surely you're going to ask me who the bloody first guest is. Let's get them on. Because they're standing in the wings. No. It's virtually noon now, because I've just I've asked too many questions. So before it, before it is no longer the dawn chorus, who is that first act going to be? Well, again, let me just say that the acts and the order in which they appear are not... Mm the order in which joy, delight, or talent they would bring mm. this fantastic, lucky audience. Donny Hathaway and Roberta Flack. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, each performing together and individually. Well, together they made such... Uh, their voices melded together like, I don't know, just like salted caramel and chocolate or something. Just such a beautiful sort of combination, wasn't it? But um, yeah. when was when was your first, you know, when did you first get into that sound, into the, those records? Um, 70s. I was, a, I was a child. I guess I was conscious of music at around 77. And I remember um, their duet, the Closer I Get to You. I don't remember the exact release date or if it was, you know, before that time or, or after. But I remember being conscious of somehow knowing that that was Roberta Flack's voice. But I enjoyed, in a way, this is going to sound strange, I enjoyed not knowing the male singer mm. at the time. Because when he came in with, Sweeter and sweeter love grows, and heaven's there for those. I said, I, I didn't say at the time, that's an archetype. I said, that's a voice I've heard before. That's a sound I've heard before. That's a resonance mm. and a, a melisma and a vocal dexterity that I've heard before that comes right out of a Pentecostal holiness, a Southern black church, <laughs> which is, which is the, the roots of Donnie, <laughs> Donnie Hathaway. So, yeah, I was like, I don't know who that is, but I know him. I know that yeah. voice. It's an archetype. Well, like so many of your formative musical experiences were, were in the church as well, weren't they? Um, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so what do you think it is about God or the faith aspects of it that supercharges the music? This is speaking from a personal position, and I, I know it's the case for Sam Cooke. I know it's the case for Ray Charles. I know it's the case for Lou Rawls. I'm not saying we're faking for the general public. But what we're doing is trying to recreate the moment in, in which when you're singing for God and there can be a, I don't want to say, I just want to put it in layman's terms, and you feel opened up spiritually and you have, some people will even call it a supernatural experience when you're singing to the presence of God, singing to the face of God. Okay. Now, once you've experienced that, you have a muscle memory of that. You have an emotional memory of that. Now, you try to do that in a secular way. You try to achieve that sound and achieve that feeling 
that vibrato, that that same musical ecstasy in a secular way. Now, the second next thing to to God that moves human beings, period, is love, is romantic love, uh, even uh, sexual energy. So when you hear that in a song and somebody taking it, if it's a person who has had some church experience, they're, in a way, it's, a, it's an artificial search for the face yeah. of God. That's what soul that's, music can be. Uh, that's one yeah. of the best descriptions of it I've ever heard, actually. And it, it yeah. sort of puts me in mind of people like Marvin Gaye, who, who had that exact same sort of tomb to what they did. And, you know, and there's a sort of, for people like him, of course, there's a sort of um, a seat between the sacred and the profane, isn't there? He was sort of always right. torn between the, er- the earthy <laughs> pleasures and, and, and spiritual <laughs> ecstasy, you know. I don't know if you remember the song. I can't remember the record right now, but it's, uh, Marvin, he, he, I remember feeling, I remember because they used to tell me when I was a child, the, 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 be- the wonderful church mothers, and this is what they were t- taught, so that's what they taught me. Baby, if you don't sing for God, he'll take it away from you. Okay. And they would always say, take it away from you in the most treacherous way. I was like, somebody, they gonna, somebody's going to slice my throat <laughs> or snatch my throat out of my neck. You know, I was like, I'll never be able to sing again. But that's what they told yeah. me. My, but my mother was like, baby, you can sing about love. God made love and it's okay. Just, just. Don't disrespect the family. You know, this was her, this was her thing. Well, right? that, it feels like that that's the, you're, you're testifying to the world then. Is it just because, you know, a lot of people might, some people might not have a faith, but if you make it more secular and broader, but your, your message is still love and your message is still togetherness yeah. and bringing people together, then that's, that is the same as the word of that's God, it. isn't whatever it? Whatever your faith, whatever your faith was. And that's what she was down. She, she loved that. You know, it's, it's the church uh, of the mix. That we start with essentially, uh, we're bringing everybody together on the hill for the dawn chorus, and it's Donnie and it's Roberta and those heavenly voices just sort of lifting us all up. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. As we move through the gears into the, you know, towards the next act, although we're still tingling after that particular performance, we've got to, first of all, we've got to stop and think about food, right? <laughs> because food's extraordinarily important anyway. You've got to remain fueled. This is one of the things that it's like a recurring motif on this, uh, mm. on, on this particular podcast. It's almost mm. as important as the music, but to you, it's colossally important as well. Uh, because yeah. you've got a cooking show. Your, your brother Lloyd was, was was a chef. You worked in his restaurant in New York. Is that right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you cooking at this festival? What are we eating? I, I, I did I did see somewhere that mum's egg sandwich was was, was uh, a big <laughs> thing for you and Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, this was this grounding food. This this great, you know, <laughs> Deloitte described it. She put she always would put just a little bit too much mayonnaise, you know. It's <laughs> but we always, you know, mustard, mayonnaise, mm-hmm. cheese, lettuce, tomato. And a fried egg with the crispy edges. Oh, you know? <laughs> I, I've just had my breakfast, how, but I'm hungry again. <laughs> yeah, that's how she did it. And if we had a fresh avocado, that was going on there too. But um, <laughs> yeah, she would really do up egg sandwiches. It's a cheap protein. Yeah. And with eight children, you always know how to do something yeah. fantastic with a cheap protein, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think that might be uh, might be something that we could utilize at the festival? Would we have a stall with mum's egg sandwiches, or have you got oh, something yeah, else in mind? Yeah, that's a nice in between. Oh, 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 we got fifteen minutes before the, the next set starts. Yeah, let's go grab us one of those. Yeah, yeah. let's say, let's see, let's see. My uncle James is over at the at the uh, the griddle, you know, working on those eggs and getting that all together. And you know, maybe my sisters are making the sandwiches and. You know. <laughs> It's a full family. Doing it just like doing it just like Mama with a little bit too much mayonnaise and mustard, cheese, and a hot fried egg on the top. With a little, you know, you bust the you bust the yolk a little bit right before you take it out of the pan. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I love that. And it just there's a little run and then it sets. <laughs> right. Then you slap it on. That's what you got to do for mums. Right. You're describing a, a big, beautiful family there, um, and 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 obviously, and, and I know that you lost Lloyd recently. Uh, to mm. COVID, but when you put, when you're planning a festival, for instance, like this, and you you know you you're putting on the the food that that feeds your soul and the music that feeds your soul, other uh, particular musics uh, artists that you came up with together that makes you think of him. Ooh, you know, I ha- if I'm honest, if I remember correctly, he was introducing me to all of my greatest uh, inspirations. He brought the Sam Cooke record. He bought Louis Armstrong into the house. He bought this record. Everybody who was trying to sound like Nat King Cole, somebody had put this compilation together of Ray Charles, Charles Brown. Is it Ray Bryant? I can't remember. He's an organ player, Ray Bryant. And they all sounded like Nat King Cole. They all had periods of, of time when they were trying to sound like Nat King Cole. He brought that into the house. Les McCann, Eddie Harris, uh, Abby Lincoln. He introduced me to a lot of the artists that became my longtime favorites. You know, his musical maturity was one year above mine. Ours, it was, you know, maybe three months because we were so close. But I don't know. He just had a little bit more money and a little bit more access to music, a little bit more confidence to sneak into my brother's record collections and, you know, this kind of thing. So so he would bring a lot of music my way. I was in search of as well. I just distinctively remember him, even though I I knew I had knowledge of, of Sam Cooke, but those, you know, there's a wealth of songs. She was only 16. Mm. Only 16, with eyes that did glow. She was too young to fall in love, and I was too young to know. You know, there was a song that you knew, then there was this wealth of, like, these smaller songs that you had 
that you knew any, nothing about. And he was always searching for those. The deep the, cuts. The B-sides. Yeah, the deep cuts. My baby wants to do the cha-cha-cha. You know, I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's Sam Cooke too? You know? <laughs> so, like, we knew the big cuts. Yeah. But he was in search of the B-sides. And uh, so that enriched my musical understanding. I mean, and when you hear it now, does it does that does that music bring you sucker and comfort, or is it still a bit of a raw? Nerve? Absolutely, absolutely. Even in you know many of my songs, so many of my songs were written under his roof or uh, in his company or nearby him, and I would always take him the demo first. I tr- I trusted him. I, I I took him the demo first, so he was the one that said to me um, for water for Be Good, for Liquid Spirit. He was always like, man, I don't know where you're conjuring mom. I don't know where this is coming from. He was, he'd tell me something. He's like, yeah, that's a banger right there. <laughs> that's it, Greg. This is, you about to blow up. You know, I made my first record. <laughs> when I made water, he was like, you about yeah. to blow up. Oh, you about to blow up. He just knew. You know? he just, he's like your A&R man, wasn't he? <laughs> right. Now, a person who had grown up with, with, probably too much of a heaping dose of humility. I was like, man, you need to cut it out. I, all I want to do is just, you know, do gigs, make a hundred bucks a gig and and sell a few of these a night, right? Lloyd was like, hell with that. I'm about to make a video for this. You about to blow up. That's beautiful. So he, he, was, he was championing me. He helped me make my first videos and was just on the mountaintop God. saying my name, saying, this is what he would say, which was embarrassing to me and still is. My brother's one of the best singers in the world. Y'all need to listen. This is what he would say. <laughs> it's so beautiful, though. He was he was obviously so proud of you, as your mum would have been as yeah. well. I mean, yeah. so what leads us to the next the next act on your on your fantasy festival, the mix. Who's it going to be? The mix. I like to to think of music as a the happy place in between the head and the heart. A young Wynton Marsalis, a young Wynton Marsalis on his trumpet when the solos were so long and complex and not showy, but just like, just to let you know, just to let you know that I've studied this and I understand it. Young Wynton Marsalis playing Cherokee. I mean, what is it about the, I mean, the Marsalis family are just an unbelievably talented bunch of people, aren't they? Do you, is that the sort of direct torch coming down from, I don't know, from people like, I mean, that sounds like a fire alarm to me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We get it all. The babbling brook. We've got the babbling, we've got the babbling brook. Um, I can't smell any smoke. But I'm interested mm. to know if that is a false alarm yeah. or a fire alarm. I, um, I suppose you should find out. There'll be out. something coming soon. Peek your head out the window. If an axe comes through the door, I'll let you know. Just one second, guys. Sean here, just to give you an idea of what actually went on here. The, the fire alarm really did go off in this Lakeland hotel. So I dashed outside uh, in my T-shirt and shorts, uh, checked that it was actually only a drill and that there was no uh, smoke or fire issuing from any of the windows and no screaming. 
uh, I was assured that it was only a drill. Uh, ran back upstairs to room 207, tried to get in with my electronic key. I was locked out of my own uh, door, locked out of my own room because I'd actually gone past my allocated checkout time. So I had to run back downstairs again um, and find a hotel reception staff, which was quite difficult in that hotel actually because it's out of season in the Lake District. And after a couple of minutes, I actually found somebody who came upstairs and let me back in. And that's when I resumed my conversation uh, post flap with Gregory Porter as you were One, two. the Marsalis family undeniably and supremely talented do you think are they down the lineage from people like Coltrane and Davis are they sort of the the contemporary versions of that mm, yes but th- there's something profound that they're all incredible musicians. I bet there's some in-house competition, all seeking the the grace and embrace of their father, who was a, a genius musician, um, and all of that rich heritage that was right around them. They are the fruit that that tree has, has borne. What was it like for you recording for Blue Note? That must have been a little bit like coming home, a little bit like being anointed as one of the one of the great musicians in a way. Yeah, I think um, even just right, even just the mention of like being a Blue Note artist was powerful. I think it it gave license to the direction of what I was trying to do. I think I was just coming to my records, my first two records with Motema, a quite small label in New York. And I'm so thankful for Jana Herzen, the, the president of Motema. She just gave me license and authority just to make music that I the way I thought it should be. And it and that was to be authentic who I was. I didn't come up the way anybody else did. I, I had this kind of special training ground that was this country gospel blues from that I got in Bakersfield by way of Shreveport, Louisiana, Texas, Arkansas, all of that influence that made its way to Central California. It is such a a beautiful mix and a potent mix, isn't it? You mentioned in Louisiana and Texas and you're thinking about the Mississippi River and, and you're thinking about the Delta Blues and you're thinking about uh, New Orleans and, and all that yeah. stuff. Is It's all in the voice, isn't it? It's all, and it's all in yeah. the voices of your forebears as well. It's just yeah. all reverberating yeah. through the century, isn't it? Yeah, I, I feel like a powerful lineage and connection to voices in particular that have come out of, you know, some small house of worship, you know. <laughs> this was this was the music that sustained people in during a very difficult time. And singing that music or stylistically, if I do that in the Royal Albert Hall, it gives it gives respect and shine to those people who did it in a little small dirt floor country church somewhere in the South. It, it, it does. It gives them honor and respect. I think about them, who, the, people, the great singers who never had an opportunity. I got an opportunity. So when Moby asked me to sing on Natural Blues, Oh, Lonnie, trouble so hard. Oh, Lonnie, trouble so hard. Don't nobody know my... Trouble but God, don't nobody know my trouble but God. But yeah, I submit you, you, you did nothing but ask me to sing for my aunties, for my great aunties, for my grandmother. 
sing like them. And so that was, that's an honor. It sh- shivers the timbers to hear you do that because, to, you know, that was, I can't remember who the, the it was some, perhaps a sample from the Alan Lomax tapes, was it? The one that Moby yep. took, yep. you know, from the sharecroppers and the, you know, from the 30s and the 40s. But, uh, and to yeah. hear you do it, it's like a full circle, beautiful thing. And, and um, I mean, we, we'll talk a little bit more about collaborations in a minute and, w- and wonder if you're going to collaborate with any of the people you're bringing on stage. How you doing out there? Are you ready for the next act of the day? People, make some noise! We've had Donnie and Roberta. We've just had Winter. <laughs> we're at that sort of post-lunch, early afternoon spot now, and we're re-approaching the stage for the next act, which is going to be a seasoned, mature, confident Tina Turner. Mm. So that's interesting because you've you've placed it within that the span of her mm-hmm. creative milieu from the early mm-hmm. 60s all the way up to now. So what are we are we talking about comeback Tina? This is comeback Tina. This is this is even this is even Tina with Herbie on um Edith and the Kingpin. Mm-hmm. There's, there's so much wisdom and confidence in her delivery. This is her saying, if I wanted to be a jazz singer, I could have been. <laughs> This is this is like this is this is like her saying, "Yo, when you're a master, you make a choice. I made my choice to 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 be this rock pop star, but if I wanted to be, <laughs> I could go to my roots and be a blues singer. If I wanted to be, I could have been an opera singer. If I wanted to be, I could have been one of the baddest jazz singers." Check out Edith in the Kingpin. Ooh. I don't know. Is the, is phraseology. <laughs> Wisdom of phraseology. Somebody learned something from Tina Turner. It, it's like, it reminds me of the Chaka Khan line, it, it's all in me, you know. It's all it's all within somebody like Tina it's, Turner, it's, isn't it's, it? It's, it's, absolutely. It, 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 it's funny you mentioned Chaka Khan. There you go. That's another one. If We're, we're searching for the greatest jazz singers in the wrong categories sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all there. Yeah. They've got all the chops, They're all there. I mean, Christ, Chaka Khan, I've been in the same room while that, it's literally like hearing a couple of Ferraris roar off to try and <laughs> beat, them, beat each other to not to 60, <laughs> isn't it? And, and, the, and the woman is one of the great drummers as well, isn't she? Have you ever seen her play the drums? <laughs> right, yeah. Jesus Christ. Right, right, right. I've seen clips of that, yeah. It's frightening. <laughs> so, but you mentioned Tina Turner and Herbie. So did she, has she worked with Herbie Hancock on, on, on music? And is, that, is it Herbie yeah, Hancock? Yeah, she did this, she did that, uh, she she did this. Um, I don't know this. Tr- this. Uh, um, yeah, the, uh, the Johnny, the Johnny Letters. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he, she did a song called uh, Edith and the Kingpin. Okay, uh, from Johnny Mitchell. Blew you yeah, away. That's all I'm gonna say is yeah. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say is yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, just learn something. You know how you know how kindergartner sits cross-legged at the foot of his teacher. Yeah, that's how I feel about you know. Just, uh, just uh, the musical lesson in that in that song. I wonder if there's yeah. something in, innately humble about most performers and musicians in that sense. So, talking to a lot of them, especially for this podcast, it seems the case that you're all just fans, you, and you all acknowledge when somebody has 
a greater gift or a colossal gift or a, a gift yeah. that it, it, does it kind of, it does, it does seem like a humbling experience for you all anyway. You know, you, you might have mm. achieved something fantastic, but then you meet Tina Turner, for instance, and it kind of yeah. puts everything and you, in perspective. And then, you, and then you say, just like, okay, now that's a, that's a legend. That's a, you know, sometimes we throw that around, legend. Sometimes we throw genius around. And, you know, I don't mean to, to diminish, you know, anybody's accolades, but there's a high level and then there's another level. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's all I'm saying. It, you know. Plus, when you know the story, when you know the full story, when some when somebody hit, I say you came out with that grace under that fire. You were you were under under fire from a from a, a fifty caliber machine gun, and you still came out with that grace. It's, it's extraordinary. It's, it's like the Nat King Cole thing, isn't it? The things that Tina went mm. through with, uh, of course, with with the sort of former husband and all the yeah. the horrors that unfolded. And it, the whole story of somebody like that is so inspirational, even if you're not a musician, isn't it? it, it to, to have mm-hmm. to have had such terrible lows in your life, but to be able to come back from that is is, is so yeah. beautiful. I mean, you've crossed paths with some pretty inspirational people, really. I mean, you. You, you knew Chadwick Boseman, for instance, from your early days in, in Brooklyn. Is that right? Yeah, he was he was a person that would come into my brother's uh, place. And, uh, and I had a, had a bit of a jealousy with, uh, with Chad. A sweet one, though. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> my brother wouldn't play chess with me because he did, he's like, you're not good enough. <laughs> it's like a waste of my time. And Chad would come and they were equally matched. So they would battle back and forth for hours. And I'd just be sitting there, it's like, dang, you know, I, I would, I would like to get in the game, you know. It's like, nah, man, you, you, you lightweight, you know. So, and I am, and I'd be sitting thinking about moves for seven minutes, and you know, <laughs> they would be going back and forth, slapping the timer, you know. But um, and they were both actors, and I remember sitting in the coffee shop with Chad talking about dreams. Of, he was talking about maybe writing. He was writing a script for some movie and some plays. I was working on, I particularly at the time of talking to him, I was working on the first song on my first record. I was working on Illusions. I sang a piece of it to him. You know, we just, we we had, we had dreams. And um, I just, I remember talking about him and I wish he was here so we could, he did. He came to my show at the Hollywood Bowl, and we laughed. We was like, we said, "Man, ain't this crazy?" He must have been filming something huge at the time. I'm sure he he was already in the movies. We just laughed. We looked at each other and just laughed. I said, like, "Ain't this crazy?" We was two broke dudes in in a you know this little cafe in Brooklyn, and here we are now. In, in Los Angeles, California, I'm just stepping, he's just stepping off of the, the movie set and I'm just coming off of a Grammy win and performing to a sold out Hollywood Bowl crowd. It's just a blessing of a moment. That's all I can say. Yeah. You must miss him a lot. I do. He was just a cool guy. He was just a cool guy. And you always wanted to do something nice for him. I remember when I heard, I, you know, my regular friends were coming to a dinner party that I was having. And when I found out Chad was coming, I was like, oh, okay, now I got to, now I got to break out the sushi and the, uh, you know, all the tricks that I got, you know? And I did. We had the greatest time. 
I don't know if you know this show, Soul Train. Yeah. we I, I ended up moving all of the furniture out of my living room, and we ended up doing a dance uh, Soul Train line in my living room <laughs> in Brooklyn. It was a lot of fun. A funky. The best combo. party, best dinner party I had in Brooklyn was the one he attended. Yeah. A beautiful, beautiful memory, isn't it? Um, yep. Well, let's make some more memories with with uh, another another artist now. I mean, it's going to be difficult to follow Tina, especially when she's doing the Joni letters, but who's it going to be? Well... That space that's in between the heart and the head is not a place that is without a name. Mm. It is the spirit. Mm. And a master within the heart and the head, absolutely in the sky, is John Coltrane. Goodness me. Yeah. I mean, and also, I, I, I failed to mention that this is the sunset moment as well. Yeah. You may hear some of his originals, some of his famous covers. We start off with Alabama, My Favorite Things. <laughs> but he brings out a special guest, Johnny Hartman, one of the most underrated baritone voices that has been. Johnny Hartman and John Coltrane together on a recording is just, it's just butter. It's a classic, classic record. And when I heard it, I was almost, this, I have to be careful. I was almost angry. <laughs> you know, when you find out about something, when you, when you hear something, it's like, why are y'all playing tricks on me? Why are you playing <laughs> games with me? Why have I never heard this man? Why I gotta be 20 something years old to hear Johnny Hartman? How does that happen? <laughs> How is this genius hidden from, how come somebody can't say, hey, young man, you, you're a singer. Listen to this guy. Yeah. You think almost there should be like a, 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 you know, an early doors qualification, like a sort of one year foundation I, course I to play you all these musics. I literally was annoyed. I was like, who could deny me of this? I had heard, listen, I had, you know, Frank is great. He's a master. But I had heard all of his records. A million times. I hadn't heard one Johnny Hartman song. That's that's all I'm saying. I'm just like... But I, I think a lot of our listeners probably wouldn't be that familiar either, and I'm, I'm not right. very familiar right. with, well, that's with why this I'm, voice. That's why I mentioned it to So you. this is and so beautiful, when you hear, isn't it? You are too beautiful. Once you get a taste of it, you're going to be like, you're going to be mad too. You're like, who kept me from this? This pool of delight. This, this, this sticky toffee pudding of a voice. This, this... This is like me with Biscoff paste in the kitchen, just spooning it into my mouth, just saying, and I'm glad that I didn't discover it earlier because I would be dead on a slab if I had, you know. But Johnny Hartman can't give you heart problems, so you can consume as much of him as you want. I mean, for what, what Lush is Lush life, lush life. Let me, let, me, let me just say something. This Christmas, maybe your listeners will, or whenever it is, but this is when the fire is going. Mm-hmm. The fire is going Crackling. and you got something... That'll put a little fire in your chest. Mold you wine. Mold wine or, or something a little, little fiery. A whiskey, yeah. And whether it's coming from your phone or whether it's coming from vinyl, uh, John Coltrane with Johnny Hartman, Lush Life. That's a beautiful Christmas gift, actually. So, yeah, okay. you feel like a grown-up. So, I mean, wouldn't you be tempted to get up on stage with John, yourself Ooh, and Johnny? Would, man, would that- are you kidding me? I would, I would, am I worthy? Hmm. <laughs> I know what I would do. I would be like, 
John, let me let me uh, let me bring you some water. Mr. Hartman, let me wipe your sweat. And if there is a couple of bars that you would like me to come in on, I will. But uh, it's difficult, you know. Once your masters are your masters, they're always your masters, you know. There you go. So there we go. We, we, we're shuddering towards an unbelievable climax, really, as the sun's gone down. I don't know about you at this point, Gregory. What I've done, I've taken a liberty uh, to steady my nerves after this, like a sort of an hour-long prayer, rapturous prayer from John uh, and from Johnny Hartman. Um, I've got a, a little uh, whiskey caddy with me. Uh, what, what, uh, I don't know if you'll, you'll share a couple of uh, fingers of whiskey with me. What would your poison be at this juncture? Ah, you a brand or a... could be anything? Yeah, just a, you know whether it's a bourbon, a rye, a sour mash, a, a, a peaty single malt. You know mm. we've got we've got the whole gamut. What do you want? Mm. You know somebody gave me a sniff, and it was so it was so little. It was almost a, the whiskey was 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 atomized into my mouth. Shh, shh, it's like a, from a perfume bottle. But the reason why that was so because the. The whiskey was so expensive <laughs> that, that that's the way they were doing it. But I smelled it. And the essence of it was on my lips and, and in my palate. What happened was I looked at the price and I said, I'm not there. <laughs> I'm not. But, but, but they were like, here, you can have this. <laughs> have a smell and some essence. <laughs> but I was like, bro, I'm not there. I'm not ready to spend $10,000 on a bottle. So. Well, well, listen, Gregory, because it's you and because it's completely fictionalised, what I've done is I've we've got a tumbler of it each here. Okay. I've literally got four grand's worth. There. Yeah. So, it's, well, unfortunately, it's in a plastic, it's in a sort of paper beaker. So just, it's, there's quite a few people shuffling up to the stage for the last act. So just make sure nobody knocks you mm. and you spill it all over yourself. Otherwise, you're going to have to suck it out of your shirt. No, that's going to be, that's going to be uh, well taken care of. You don't have to worry, <laughs> but you ain't got to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get a few bodyguards around you just for this bit. Um, yeah. So, and, and that's it. Now, we, we come to the closing act of the festival, The Mix, in the mountains. It's getting a bit dark now. It's getting a bit cold. Don't make us wait. Who's the headliner? The headliner is none other than Drum roll. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Beautiful. The group that is bringing all this musical mm. journey that we've been on, bringing it all together into one. The jazz, the rhythm, the soul, the gospel. The spirituality. And their special guest, Sly Stone. <laughs> and, and guess what? Yeah. Earth, Wind, and Fires and Sly Stones, special guest to close it out, Godfather of them all, James Brown. Bloody Nora. So they close got- out they close out the festival with James. All of them playing his music. And who 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 joins? <laughs> who joins? Who joins from earlier in the festival? Who does it? Who comes? Does John say, I, I recognize you. I honor you. I understand these blues. Is he on stage? Is Tina Turner in the background giving James what he needs? <laughs> Is Donny Hathaway? Is he over on keyboards? 
Did Roberta join Tina Turner on backgrounds? Oh. I'm, just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. This is the thing that we 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 really reach for and search for on this because it, it, the beauty of it is, of course, anything's possible in your imagination. What a great idea to loop it all together and to have it all trickle down, you know, to the to the source of the funk, really. Well, you know, certainly one of them, uh, one yeah. of the tributaries, uh, James Ooh. Brown. I mean, what era of James did you first get onto? What was it that first lit the fire for you? The post. Civil rights James seventies mm. mm. with a with a mustache with his chest hair out is cold blooded. Yeah, is you know is 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 so personified. It's not he's he's not even trying to entertain. He was just watch. He's like get behind me. He's like the audience is not in front of him. During that period, the audience is behind him. Yeah. Follow me yeah. on this journey. This is not a performance. This is follow me. Free your mind and your ass will follow from uh, <clears throat> similarly funky, uh, Funkadelic <laughs> would say that, wouldn't they? But it's like, but that, I agree with that. I, I remember getting the Hell album um, and just being totally on, it's just on fire, that thing. Yeah, people are still trying to search for what he's trying to say. But what a finish that is. Earth, wind and fire. <laughs> Philip Bailey and his, his high flute and voice and just that pure funk with his, this, this flares everywhere and spandex and, uh, yeah. and then Sly in the middle of it, bringing the joy and, and James right. just hard funk finish. Right. And it was so beautiful to have, when having a conversation with him on, on, on my podcast, uh, The Hang, he was like, Gregory, we were, Having it was mu music and spirit, it, you know. It was, is this with was, Philip? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It, that was real. A true legend of the game, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. We met up in an airport. I think it's the first time that I met him. He was asking me advice on singing, which was hilarious. I was like, I said, this is like one of those, you know, grasshopper moments, you know, where <laughs> the student gains wisdom, and he says, the student does not give wisdom to the master. It just, you know, come yeah. on, man. Yeah. You know, he, he asked me some things about phrasing. I was like, oh, he's like, well, where, 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 you, man, tell me your influences. Well, there was this group, Earth, Wind, and Fire, that uh, I drew from. Now, you may have heard of him. I don't know, Philip, <laughs> Philip Bailey. You may have heard of him. <laughs> you taught me everything I know. <laughs> It's just amazing. It must be amazing to meet your heroes like that, which I guess you've been doing for years and years now. But and yeah. you've in turn become the hero for a lot of people. I mean, and finally, just to wrap it up, you know, you you've said that you're a shy person, and that comes across, you know, quite a humble and a softly spoken person, but with this fire and this talent. But how do you protect that? How do you protect your sanity in a job where everyone wants you all the time? People well, like me. <laughs> Well, I think if I'm, if I, both in the music and even in talking to you, if I'm telling the truth, if I'm telling it like it is to me, then it's not difficult. Then, then this is a friendly conversation. Then, then, then you are, you and I are, are, are mates discussing the truth. And if I'm, if I'm putting on, then it becomes work. Mm. I'm, and I'm not putting on. The things I say about my son and my mother and the music and my brother, they're all real. Quite frankly, I bring them into the conversation to keep joy in my life and to keep the grounding in my life. If you get tired of me talking about these, these things, 
then that's when you're going to lose me. Mm. Because that's, that's the real me. I can actually talk about her all day. I can do that. So if I do, if I'm doing that in interviews, then it doesn't feel like it's work or that it's something that I'm doing for my career. It's me. So yeah, that's 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 the truth. The I get truth, nothing but the truth. I get the feeling that when you you know you, obviously when you lose somebody so dear to you, you speaking about them constantly brings them back into life and brings mm-hmm. them into into mm-hmm. your life again and breathes yeah. life into those memories. And, and and obviously, as she said to you, you know. She says, sing baby sing didn't she or yeah. some words yeah. to that effect so you something yeah. that you've done in aces since then gregory porter it's been a genuine pleasure and a privilege we've had a babbling brook and a fire alarm at my end but you've kept completely <laughs> calm throughout and delivered one of the one of the most beautiful festivals ever i think up there in the the mountains i'm gonna i'm gonna pop up there now with a couple of bin bags and one of those things that picks up litter and sort of just make sure it's pristine once we leave. But I'm sure you'll all agree at home, the mix was a stunning success. Uh, All I can say is, Gregory Porter, thank you so much for being on the lineup today. Real pleasure, thank you.